started a little series for the next couple of weeks called Godly Advice for the Holidays. Because as you know, you know, the holiday season, it can be the most joyous, wonderful, beautiful time of the year. And then sometimes it can be less than that. And that's not what God wants. God wants this time of year. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his birthday. And he wants us to celebrate in a great big way. And that's why I'm totally fine with, you know, lights and, and all this stuff and decorating. And, and I mean, I think it's great because for me, I'm not doing it because I like lights. I'm doing it because I love Jesus, and absolutely, man, I want to see Christmas get bigger and bigger if it could, because it is all about Jesus. Amen? Are you on the same page as me? It's about Jesus. It's his birthday. And think about this. If Jesus had not come to this world, oh my goodness, if Jesus had not been born of the Virgin Mary, if Jesus had not come, do you realize... The shape you would be in. Do you realize how bad your life would be? It it would be awful. We we would be lost. We wouldn't know what to do. We'd be in bad bad shape. So I am thankful, obviously, all year long that Jesus came. But especially this time of year, we need to be thinking about this. And you know, ironically, this year uh, Christmas falls on a Sunday, as it does ever so often. And every time this happens, it, it amuses me that you know the people that. Are we going to really have church on Sunday morning on Christmas Day? And I'm like, dear Lord, and the candlelight service the night before? We're going to have That's two services within, you know, 12 hours? And I'm like, man, are you kidding me? When it's your birthday, if some of your family gives you gifts on the day before, do you still want some the next day even when it's your real birthday? Well, I don't know. I don't want to do too much of this celebration. You know, I... I just don't know. Man, you're selfish. You'll take gifts every day of the week. You'll, if they want to give you a cake and sing to you every day that week, you would do it. And Yeah, you know, like, my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you're going to give me. You know, you, you'll, you don't mind if it's about you. Why do you mind if it's about Jesus? And now I understand, you know, maybe some are going out of town. I get that much. You know, no, no beef, no problem with me. But just don't think it's strange that some of us will be here on December 25th at 10 a.m., Singing to Jesus just like we do all the other 52 Sundays. You know, uh, we're going to do it. And, and are we crazy? I don't know. But we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate Jesus because it's his birthday. We're not going to cut him out of his own birthday party. You know what I mean? That's what the rest of the world does. They don't say Merry Christmas. Don't do this. Don't offend them. Don't put nativities of it. And I, it's his birthday. What, you know, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas if I'm not going to do it with Jesus. So. Anyway, with all of that, we're going to talk tonight about, about this topic, about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all the things will be added unto you. Because especially this time of year, you know, everybody's acquiring things and looking at how they can, you know, provide for their kids, how they can bless, how they can give gifts and all this stuff. And that's great. I'm, I believe Jesus likes that we celebrate by blessing other people. He loves that. There's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times people can lose focus during the Christmas season. They're not seeking first the kingdom of God anymore. They're seeking the things. And you know, I, we saw a couple of weeks ago on this Black Friday, man, I was watching the news. It's always crazy, but there are literally people that killed each other this year on Black Friday. Somebody over a parking spot shot somebody else. So they could get in there and get, you know, whatever it was they wanted. I mean, I hope that crock pot was worth it. I hope the iPhone 7 really is as good as they said, because you just, you're going to, but you can't use it when you're in prison, you know. And so, I mean, it is nuts. People lose focus, and they're, they're trying to get as much as they can for the best price they can. And Jesus is not all about that. So we're going to look at something, a few things tonight, and some familiar verses, but I want to bring some hope to us that we don't have to play this game like the rest of the world does. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're going to get a really great Christmas, but you don't have to have all the sorrow and the regrets and everything else that goes with it. He'll provide for the best Christmas that your kids have ever seen yet. But he'll do it his way, not your way. So I want to go ahead and open up with prayer. And we're going to get into the lesson tonight. And and God's going to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, 
for sending your son, Jesus, that we have a savior, that we we have uh, somebody that came and paid the price for us. Lord, we don't take that lightly. Lord, tonight, as as we study your word, I pray in Jesus name that you'll speak to each one of us. And Lord, that you'll strengthen our faith. God, as we look at the word of God, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to look at some scriptures tonight, and I believe that we're going to get built up. In the, in the name of Jesus, through your word. And God, we just give you the praise for it in advance. We're going to have a great time. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. So point number one tonight is this. God wants you to have all the blessings you need. God wants you to have all the blessings. You, and I could take it a step further. God wants you to have all the blessings that you want. And some people would say, no, the Bible promises your needs. No, the Bible promises that God wants to, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He wants to take care of your wants as well, as long as they're in line with the word of God. But we're going to say God wants you to have all the blessings you need. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. And I, I love these verses. So Jesus in here, he, he's talking and... And he's, he's discussing about how the people of this world, I mean, they worry from day to day. You know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Where, where are we going to sleep at? What, what are we going to do to get money? What are we going to do to be provided for? And Jesus says, it's not like that for you. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to worry like the rest of this world worries. Look at Matthew 6, verse 31. He says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Do you know anybody that their thoughts are dominated by what, 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 I'm gonna get, I need money. I, I need this. I need that. It dominates their thoughts. And even if they already, and one thing you've got to realize is that, you know, it's not just poor people that, that think about it and it dominates their thought. I know a lot of people are perfectly fine financially and they still, for some reason, worry. They still, I, I need more. I, I got to get more. I don't have enough. I, and, and so sometimes we think that this is just talking about people that don't have enough. No. This dominates the thoughts, it says, of unbelievers. There are rich unbelievers that this dominates their thoughts for whatever reason. It's because they're not seeking the kingdom of God. But it says this dominates their thoughts. I, I need more clothes. I need better food. I, I need a better car. I, I, and they're just trying to outdo somebody else. Whatever their reason is, this dominates them. And they are obsessed with needing more money. Look at this. Jesus says in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else, or seek ye first the kingdom of God, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He says, the heavenly Father already knows your needs. And think about it this way. You know, if you're a parent, don't you know what your kids need already, right? You know, you see that they're starting to need some new shoes. They need some, you know, when their pants start looking like this. You know, you ever see that on the kids? You're like, oh, man, it's bottom jeans. Look at that. Well, how's it? And, you know, all of a sudden they need new. But, you know, if you're a good parent, you know their needs. And so check it out. You don't think your heavenly father, the best parent of all time, the best dad that's ever existed, he knows what you need. He sees what you're going through. So you, if, you, if you've got a good dad, you don't have to sit there and beg, Dad, please, oh, please, please, I, I need some more socks. Oh, please, Daddy, please, please, can you feed me today, Daddy? Please, Dad, please let me eat today. Oh, Daddy, please. If you're a good parent, your kids don't have to beg for these things. You provide for their needs. And if they're having to beg you to feed them and, and, you know, dad, please let me have a place to sleep tonight. Oh, daddy, please let me, let me stay in the house tonight. I mean, good Lord, you're a terrible parent if your kids have to beg for that. Listen, no, your heavenly father already knows your needs. And if, if you can provide those for your kids, your, your heavenly father knows what you need already. You don't have to sit there and beg and worry. I wonder if dad's going to provide today. I wonder if dad's going to, you know, give me a place to stay. I wonder if dad's going to give me money for Christmas presents. He's going to, but you're going to have to seek the kingdom of God first, not seek those things first. Way too many people are seeking the things and not the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. He said, I'll take care of all this stuff. Don't even worry about it, but do it my way. 
Do it my way. Seek my kingdom first, and then I will guarantee you, I promise you, you'll have everything you need. Don't even worry about it. I already know what you need. Think about it. God knows what you need before you know what you need. That's how advanced he is above you. He he knows what you need next year, and you don't even know what you need tomorrow. He knows what you need 50 years from now, and you don't even know yet. But he does. So, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and there's obviously been, for whatever reason, a lie that the body of Christ has believed for probably centuries. That says, being poor and being humble are equal. It's the same thing. You know, I've, I've heard some some people say about pastors. You know, a lot of you know it, it's been believed for a long time that pastors should you know be poor to stay humble and stuff like that. And, and that's unfortunate, but it's it's been a belief for. I, I guess people think that it means it equals humility. And so some churches say, Lord, we'll keep them humble. You keep them poor, or we'll keep them poor. You keep them humble. And you know, it, it shouldn't be that way for anybody. But being poor and being humble are not the same thing. You know, I heard Pastor Willie George say, anyone who says it's a blessing to be, full, to be poor is full of it. I've been poor, and there is no blessing in that at all. You know, I, and I don't see how people can be that idiotic to say, well, you know, we're, we're extremely poor, but it's just it's God. He's, it's his, it's, he's doing it to us. He's teaching us something. And if that's how God has to teach you, it is to keep you poor, to make sure you can't give your kids gifts, to make sure you don't have to worry about your food every day. That's not from God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. And so if your idea of being humble is is being poor, there's a lot of poor people that aren't humble. You know what I mean? I think about that. I know poor people that, that have egos and everything else. But I'm like, man, you should be the most humble, you know, nice person in the world. But you're not. You're a jerk. And it's like, why is that? That, that doesn't make any sense at all. Doesn't make any sense at all. And, and so there's a lot of misunderstandings in the body of Christ about God providing for our needs and for our wants and God, you know, and just money in general. The, 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 the body of Christ, I guess, for centuries has just misunderstood the Lord's plan for money in a, in a bad way. God never intended for his children to be poor. And, and, and this is the truth. There's, I think there's 500 or so verses in the Bible on healing, about 500 or, or so on faith. And this is, this is the truth. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about finances, about finances, about money. And it's, you know, why does God have to deal with that so much in the scripture? Because a lot of us, we can accept the fact that I, I can see that God would want me healed and healthy. I, I get that. Or I can see that God wants me to have peace. But for whatever reason... We just can't get the concept that God doesn't want you to be poor. Why is that? There are so many verses, Old and New Testament, it's just ridiculous, that says, I want you blessed. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified that has joy in the prosperity of his servants. God wants us blessed, but for some reason, we've accused him for years of saying that he wants us to not be blessed, to be poor. That is not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell that's held people back for years and years and years. God wants his people blessed, but he wants us to get the blessings in his way. And, but, you know, one thing we've got to do is we've got to, there's several ways to block the blessings from coming. And one thing we've got to block against is complaining. Complaining will hinder the blessings of God. You know, we can look at all the things that we don't have right now and just talk about that. You know, well, man, I, I, I don't have this or this or this or that or that or that. And, and God's saying, well, have you thanked me for what you do have yet? I mean, I've given you food, I've given you a job, I've given you a house, I've given you these kids, and here you are complaining about not having the iPhone 7. You want the PS7 or whatever you're on right now. I have no idea. Whatever it is you kids are playing, I don't know. But you're complaining about not having that? And God's provided all this stuff. He's like, I'm fine with you having that, but apparently your heart's in the wrong place if you're sitting here complaining all day long about not having that. There's a heart issue here, and that's going to block the blessings from coming. I've studied the children of Israel a lot, and it amazes me how much their complaining and their mouths held them out of what God had for them. You know, and we've said this so many times, that it was an 11-day walk from Egypt to the promised land. It took them 40 years. 
11 days took, turned into 40 years. I mean, they left there and they made it to the promised land. And Moses, he sent 12 spies. You know the story in the book of Numbers. He sent 12 spies, one from each of the, of the 12 tribes. Ten say, it's amazing, it's awesome, it's everything we've dreamed of, but we can't get in because there's giants. Two guys said, it's awesome, it's amazing, it's everything we ever wanted, and there's giants to be, and we're going to go beat them, and we're going to take it. But God said, listen, no. I'm not sending you complainers in there, you fearful people. You're not going in. Get back out there and walk. Forty years, he said, you're not getting in to the promised land until every last one of the complainers and whiners and fearful people has died off. None of you are getting in. And so it happened. They walked for 40 years. You look at a map. They did circles out in the wilderness all over the place for 40 years till every last one of the complainers died. And then after that... Joshua and Caleb and the few people that had enough guts and the people that had been born since then that stayed in faith, they conquered the promised land. But the thing is, the blessing, it was ready all along. God was ready on his end, but they weren't ready on their end. How many times has God been ready to bless you on his end, but you haven't been ready to receive it on your end? Because the Bible talks about there's giving and receiving. And a lot of people are like, I have no problem giving. I'll do that all day long. But... A lot of people are terrible receivers. They, they won't receive the blessing. I mean, someone can come up and give them money, and they're like, oh, I don't, no, 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 no. I'm waiting for God to do something. Have you considered that that's God working? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's some people, they just flat out, they're awful receivers. And that's unbiblical, and that's wrong. A lot of times, the blessing, God's got everything ready on his part. He's like, I'm ready. I'm ready for them to receive this. I've been working on this. I've got this blessing ready. And here you are down here screwing the whole thing up because you don't know how to receive from God. There's something wrong with this picture. God's ready on his end. But are you ready on your end to receive the blessing? Hallelujah. It takes faith to do both. So I want to look at Matthew chapter 7. And let's look at something over here. Matthew chapter 7. So you're probably already on that same page. Right? Page 909, everybody there? Okay. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. But, we're, you know, God wants you blessed. You get, until you get that established in your heart that God does not want you poor and miserable, then I don't know what to tell you. You've got to get this in your heart right now, that God wants you blessed. But Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11, Jesus says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you give them a stone instead. Can you imagine that? Hey, Dad, can I have some bread? Sure. You hand him a rock? Man, what a fool. All right, look at this. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Now, my kids know I would never do that because the chances of me touching a snake are less than zero. (laughs) My God. But, you know, can you imagine that? Hey, Dad, can we have fish for dinner? Yeah, here's a serpent. Like, man, what in the world? Oh, he's, of course not. No one would do that. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Have you asked God for good gifts? There's nothing wrong with that. It is not selfish to ask God for things in your life. Now, it's selfish if that's all you ever do. And that's all, you know, give me, give me, give me. But no, it's not selfish to ask your father to take care of you. It's not stuff. I heard Kenneth Copeland tell this story of this woman who is a widow. And, you know, she, she was having a hard time providing for herself. And the house was falling apart and everything else. And she's like, uh, you know, the Bible says that he is. He he's, takes care of the orphans and the widows. He's there for them. And so she, one day she got the revelation of this. And she's like, you know what? You're my husband now. You're the one that's in this with me. You're my partner. You're my husband now. So I'm going to start treating you as that. I'm going to start looking to you to take care for me like my husband did. Lord, those windows, something's got to get done about them. They need patch. The, the, the cold wind. And Lord, that, that floor over there, and my, this heater, it needs fixed. So I'm just, let's get something done about it. And she left it at that. And stuff started getting taken care of left and right. Just stuff like that. Because she started treating God as that. Because he said that's what he wants to do. You know, God said, I want to be the husband to the widow. I want to be the father to the orphan. I want to provide for my children. And we're down here all the time saying, well, I I don't know. I couldn't ask him to do that. I I don't know about this. And he's saying, but I want to. I want to do this. 
I'm a dad. I love giving stuff to my kids. I love blessing them. It makes me happy. And it brings joy to your heavenly father to see you blessed. But you've got to speak up. You've got to use the words out of your mouth and say, God, I love you. Thank you for what I've got. Lord, you know, I need this over here. We need a new car. We, I need a new job. I, I need money for Christmas this year. And do you think he's going to say, you selfish little, I can't believe you? No. He's going to say, I'm, thank you for finally asking. Now I can do something about it. Because he's not just going to throw things into your life without, without you releasing your faith and asking for it. He's not just going to shower things out of heaven into your life. You know, an Xbox isn't going to fall and hit you in the head and say, oh, here, here, kids. You know, this came out of heaven today. No. You're going to have to speak up and ask God about it and, and tell him what you need. You've got to speak up. You've got to speak up. And so... God wants to bless us more than we even want to bless our kids. You've got to get that. He wants to bless you more than you want blessed and more than you want to bless your kids. But you've got to speak up. So number one, God wants you to have all the blessings you need or want. And number two, he wants you to do things his way to receive the blessings. He wants you to do things his way to receive the blessings. So, you know, I mean, I know plenty of people like, you know, I could, I could go to... Deuteronomy 28 and read the, all the, the blessings that God, you know, that's not all the blessings, but that's a good list of blessings that God wants to give us. I could show scripture after scripture and people are like, oh, yeah, I want that. Yeah, oh, I want all those blessings, every one of them. Yeah, but I, I want to get them my way. And it doesn't work that way. It says, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, then these things will be added to you. But if you're going to get God's blessings, you're going to have to do it his way. You don't serve God on your own terms. And there's a lot of people that they want to serve God on their own terms, and it does not work that way. You know, I'll quote this. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 2.9 says that I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So God is, he has great things prepared and planned for us. It says you, your eye can't even see it. Your, your, your ears, your, you, your heart, you can't even imagine the things that he's already prepared and planned for us. But if these things are there, if these things are, are exist, if he's already prepared them and, and, and planned them and, and all this stuff, then why aren't more people walking in the blessing? It exists. Why are more people not walking in the blessing? That's a very valid question to ask. Because there's a lot of people that, that, you know, they're getting to heaven, but life on this earth is miserable in the meantime. That was not God's intent. He wants you to have a good life here, and obviously, no matter what, it's not going to be anywhere near, you know, heaven's going to be a zillion times better than anything we could even comprehend, okay? I get that. But what I'm saying is, you don't have to live in hell on earth until you get to heaven. You can enjoy this life. You can be blessed. You can be happy. You can be joyful. You can have peace. You can be provided for in this world. I know so many people that are like, well, you know, I know one, I, I'll get healed on the other side. I'll have everything I need on the other side, but I'm here right now in the sweet by and by. But we're in the nasty now and now. So I'm just going to take it as it comes to me. And no, man, don't be that way. Don't do that to yourself. I mean, if you want to have a miserable, pathetic existence, that's, that's up to you. But I'm choosing to walk in the blessing when Third John 2 said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I took that and I was like, yeah, that, that's, I think he meant that. I really do. I don't think he put that in there just to have more words to fill up a big book. No. When he said he wants us to prosper and be in health, he meant that. We've got to believe it, and we're going to have to do it his way. So why aren't more people walking in it? Well, I've got a few answers. Let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I touched on this a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, but Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke 6, verse 46. So why are more people not walking in the blessing? And, and what is the blessing? It means that you've got more than enough to take care of you and your family. You, you, you've got your... Your, your needs and your, your desires, they're being taken care of. And so a lot of people, you know, they get confused and say, well, I, I don't know about it. What about all, all the, the people in, in India and all these places? Why doesn't it work for them? It works for them. Some people are like, this is an American thing we made up. I, I, I see people say these things. And Julius tells this story 
it, it got him in jail, but it's a good reason why. And I've shared this, but, and he shared this here. But Julius, you know, some of you have met Julius, some of you haven't. You'll meet him this year. Julius is one of the craziest people I've ever seen in my life. Julius is awesome. But he, uh, he, so he goes out to these remote villages in India, you know, fighting off snakes and everything else. And so he gets this entire village 100% born again. Every single one of them received Jesus. And after a short amount of time, the village really starts to prosper. Now, prospering in India, you know, that doesn't mean you're driving, you know, a, a Lamborghini and, and living in a mansion, you know. But over there, it means that their crops are growing. They've actually got money. They're doing good. They're, they're prospering. They're doing awesome, for, you know, for where they're at over there. It's great. And so they're doing so well, the government is convinced that Julius paid them money to receive Jesus. There's no way they could possibly be doing this good. He's, this rich guy from over, you know, got some American money and paid all these guys to, to convert to his religion. So they throw Julius in jail, and, you know, this is just like two years ago or something. So he spends a few days in the Indian prison and all this stuff before he gets out. But what I'm trying to say is the blessing, it works anywhere. You could be in Iraq and or India or wherever, and you rise above the existence and the standard and the and the surroundings of where you are you're in the world but you're not of the world just because everybody else is having a hard time doesn't mean that the children of god have to have that way and so it works everywhere but again why are some people not walking in it luke 6 verse 46 and you know we again we talked about this very recently you'll remember but Jesus said, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Now, Jesus will bless you when he's the Lord of your life. If he's not your Lord, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But a lot of people, they're calling, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. Lord, Lord, yes, he's my Lord. But they don't do the things that he says. They live in disobedience to the word. And I get it, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. But it's one thing to, you know, to, you know, you sin, you repent. It's another thing to make it your lifestyle and you're just fully, you know, pretty much not living for God except for when it's convenient for you. You're serving God on your own terms. Jesus is really confused here. He's like, why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do the things I say? I'm not your Lord. And that, that sounds so harsh and mean, but it's true. He's not your Lord if you don't obey him, if you don't do the things he says. You know, you may have received him as your Savior and you may be getting into heaven, but you've got to receive Jesus as your Lord, not just your Savior. A lot of people, they've got a ticket, you know, they've got a ticket to get there. You know, they've got their fire insurance policy. Oh, I'm not going to hell. Thank God for that. That is awesome news. But if you'll make him your Lord, do you realize the blessings he can give you in this world and in this life? If you'll make him your Lord... And give him control of your life. He can do some incredible things right now. But a lot of people, they're not walking in the blessing because they have not made Jesus Lord. They've received him as Savior. They believe in him. But they have not given him control of their life. And they have not made him the Lord of your life. And so quit trying to serve Jesus on your own terms. You know, we live in a society where everybody likes to have control, right? I mean, I know a lot of control freaks. You know people like this? Like, they just want to be in control of something. And, you know, and, and even if you're not, you know, some crazy control freak and, you know, you just want power and stuff, we all like some sense of control, you know, being able to hold it in our hands. But Jesus is saying, if you'll just let go of the control and give it over to me, And this is your choice. He's not going to make you do this, okay? I firmly believe in choice. Okay, he has given you the choice to do this. But if you'll say, God, I'm releasing my finances to you. Do what you want to with them, and and, and I'm giving them to you. If you'll release your finances to God, he can then bless them his way, not your way. Your way doesn't work. If you'll release your marriage to God, He can bless your marriage in his way, not your way of trying to figure things out. If you'll release, you know, your children into God instead of doing this. What I'm saying is, 
Quit trying to hold it all into your hands and figure it out your way. So many of us, we're doing this and, and, you know, God's right there. Maybe you're holding it behind your... No, I don't want to give this one up. I gave you that. I'm not giving this one up. And, man, you've got this little thing behind your back and, and you don't realize that he's saying, if you'll give me that toy right there, I've got the biggest thing in the world I want to bless you with. But you're saying, no, this one's mine. I'm not... I gave you... I'm going to church. I'll go to church two times a week, but I'm not going to give up my fine. I'm not going to give 10%. That's nuts. I want to keep this he's saying if you give me that 10 percent, do you realize what i can do to that 90 percent? boom i can blow that up man i can rain down out at the open the windows of heaven but fine man you hold on to that little piece if you want that you hold on to that and you just keep struggling do it your way but i'm telling you anything that you release into to god he's going to do it and bless it his way anything and it's so much better than your way. Anything. So why are not everybody receiving the blessing? Why is not everybody walking in it? Because, one, a lot of people, they have not made Jesus Lord. They're trying to do it his way. And, and, and what I want to say, too, is that you've got, when you make this commitment for him to be your Lord, we've got to stay faithful. Jesus remains faithful to you. You remain faithful to him. And I thought, you know, I've heard it said this way. Think about this. What, what if someone, you know, you're talking to someone and they're like, yeah, I love my wife. She's, she's awesome. I am 75% faithful to that woman. Like, okay, well, so, okay, 75% of the time you're, but that means 25% of the time you're unfaithful, which basically equals you're unfaithful. You know what I mean? Well, you know, there's no 75% faithful, you know, that, that's pathetic, that's stupid. You're a cheater, you're wrong, you're messed up, you're unfaithful, you're, you're wrong. And so many, you know, how many of us could say, well, I'm 50% faithful to the Lord. I mean, I go to church two times a month, give them about 3% of my income. You know, I, I, every now and then I'll, I'll help out. You know, if they, if they need it in the nursery, I'll help out. I mean, I, I, I read my Bible once a week, maybe twice. I pray when I need things. I pray over my food. I'm 50% faithful. 50% is not going to reap you the 100% blessings that you want. You know what I mean? No, again, we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. None of us, you know, me, anybody else, none of us could say we're, you know, just perfect and got it 100% right. But, listen, are you being faithful to Jesus on the same level that you want him to be faithful to you? Because a lot of people, they, they want Jesus there. I mean, as soon as they call, they want him there. And, and they, they want him to bring in money. They want him to bring in health. They want him to bring in all this stuff. But they're barely, I mean, I would not use the word faithful. I, you know what I mean? 50% faithful is not faithful. 75% faithful, is, you're unfaithful. 90% faithful, you're unfaithful. And again, we all make mistakes. But God knows your heart. It's a heart issue. Not, you know, it's not a perfection issue. It's a heart issue. And so if the majority of the time your heart's just not there and you're off in la-la land, we love you. But you just cannot expect to walk in all these blessings and the things that, that God really wants you to have. You're trying to do it your way most of the time, and that is not going to work. So let me show you something here in the book of Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And so none of us are 100% faithful, but I wanna, I'm trying to be. I want to get there. And I tell you what, he's 100% faithful to me, and I'm giving him my best. And he knows my heart, and, and I know you guys could say the same thing too. But Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Is anybody getting anything tonight? Amen. Proverbs 10, verse 22. It says this. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. Sure, that couldn't mean money, though. That, that couldn't mean that. No, that has to mean something. No, it, it could, and it does. It, it, means, that, it means God's going to bless you. Says the blessing of the Lord, it makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Wow. Now, the blessing of this world, you know, if we can't even use the word blessing, but but 
the riches of this world. You may get rich, but there's a lot of people that are rich and they've acquired a lot of sorrow to go with it. There's a lot of people that, man, they may have, a, in, in this world it may look like, man, this guy's just got everything. But you have no idea the sorrows that go with money if it's not blessed by God. In fact, I wouldn't want a bunch of money if it wasn't blessed by God. I would, I would not want a million dollars if I didn't have the blessing of God on it. That would be a nightmare, an absolute disaster to have a ton of money and not have God's blessing on it. It would be awful. You'd probably trust in that money. You'd, you'd probably do stupid things, all this stuff, instead of trusting in God. So the blessing of the Lord, it makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. That means God can get money into your life and you don't have to lose your family over it. You don't have to work 200 hours a week and never see your wife and kids and, and lose them and in the end say, well, I'm making six figures a year now and I have this amazing house that I live in all by myself because my wife and my kids hate me. They left me and, and you know, I'm the biggest jerk they've ever seen. Listen, that's sorrow, man. Who wants that? Who wants that? But that's what so many people in this world are doing and getting. And so God's way, you know, that's why a lot of people, a lot of Christians say, well, you see them, they're rich, but they're miserable. So I'll just stay poor and, and how I am. No, it, it doesn't have to be that way. It's not one or the other. You can still be blessed financially, but you don't have to have the sorrow that goes with it. You can be blessed and full of joy, love, peace, all these things. You can have all of it together if you do it God's way. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. And he doesn't add any sorrow to it. It's God's way. And when we do it God's way, when we serve him on his terms, then he can start pouring this into our life. He can start pouring into our life. And I mean, I've seen this so many times where somebody gets hooked up. They, I mean, they, they, they plug in and they start, they, they start tithing. They start serving all this stuff. And I just I sit back and watch, man. Things just start pouring into their life. And, and people are like, where'd that come from? He's not smart enough to get that. He's not good enough to get that. How's all this happening? It's the blessing of the Lord. It doesn't make any sense to our minds. But you don't have to understand it. You just have to believe it and receive it. I don't have to understand how God's going to get things into my life. I just got to believe it and receive it. And a lot of times when we're trying to figure things out, we limit God and, and say, God, I need more money. So in Jesus' name, I'll get more hours on my job this week. In Jesus' name, I'll give a Christmas bonus this year. That's the only way God can get you more money is through your job. He couldn't do it some other way. Don't limit God. Your job, your employer is only one channel that God can use to bless you. I, I've said this recently too, but, you know, God, just think about it this way. There's so many rivers and channels, thousands, millions, endless ways that God can get blessings into your life. And so many times when we're looking at a need, we're just praying, we're just looking to one channel. When God's saying, man, just, just ask me for the blessing. I, I could get it to you in some way you have no idea about. You know, there's times, in, you know, in Indiana that there's stories of, I mean, I, I don't, I remember one day we were, we needed sound equipment at our church and stuff, a young church. And what was it, did somebody you never even met showed up with $10,000, right? Was that right, Dad? That the, you said someone, it was like a Catholic person or somebody showed up and stopped him one day. Yeah, no, so somebody just shows up that you never even met with a $10,000 check in 1993, you know, that's, that's a lot of money anytime, but especially back then. What if we were saying, God, have this, you know, this man right here. We know he's got a lot of money. Have him bring it. Listen, don't tell God how to do his job. Don't limit God. Just believe and receive. God can get it into you. Any, what if he gives you some great idea to go sell something this year? What if he gives you some brilliant idea to go do this? What, what if, what if, what if? Don't worry about how it's going to happen. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to understand it. Just realize that God's going to bring it into your life. Amen? And you know what? Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And so the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, but he doesn't add any sorrow with it. He brings joy with his blessing. So the third thing is this. He wants you to want him more than his blessings. He wants you to want him 
more than his blessings. A lot of people get more interested in the blessings than the blesser. And then that's, that's when we start, to, we start to see trouble come about. You know, God's blessing them already. You know, they've got good things going. But after a while, they start to lose focus of where those blessings are coming from. God gets them a great job. God gets them, you know, all this stuff, puts their family together, gets them a home and all this. And it's great. But after a while, they lose sight of where that came from. And so they start thinking, well, I could use a bigger house. And God's fine with that. But listen to me. Don't quit seeking the blesser. Because that's when the blessings are going to stop. He's going to quit sending them your way. You've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, they'll be added unto you. And God's going to take care of you all the way until the end. But I've seen a lot of people start to get some blessings, you know, and pretty soon they forget. And they, they start, you know, it's okay, man. God, God got me this job. and I, He got me this, got me this great boat. He doesn't mind if we take that out on Sundays and use that. It's not as much of an issue out here, but I saw that a lot in India. You know, believe in God for a great boat or something. And, you know, man, we'll just take sun, Sundays will be boat day. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? You know, or God, God blessed us. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll take, you know, the full weekend for the whole summer. We'll go out and, and do this. And I'm thinking, are you serious? I, I can't even fathom missing. You know, I, if I'm out of state somewhere, I'll go to any church I can get into pretty much. You know, I find the you know, great one that lines up. But I can't fathom skipping church. I mean, that's beyond my comprehension. You know, and you're like, well, you're a preacher. You think that way. But before I'm a preacher, I'm just someone that loves God. If it's a Sunday, my behind is going to be planted in a church chair somewhere. I don't care what I'm going to get into church. And so, I mean, I just I see people just go whole months at a time without going to church. And I mean, that's that I don't like to use this phrase that blows my mind. How that is beyond my realm of comprehension. And then they wonder, you know, after a while, why things are falling apart. God, how could you? You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. How did this happen? And I'm like, huh? He's right where he's always been. You ran off out there chasing a boat. You went out chasing a job. You know, and one thing, I, I mean, I took a stand. And I, and I know it's beyond some people's, you know, beyond your control. But I took a stand. Like, I would never work a Sunday. And so when I worked at FedEx, you know, I, when I went back to Indiana a few years ago, I got back on at FedEx. And in the Christmas season, the week before Christmas, there's a lot of boxes that get shipped. Okay, <laughs> lots of boxes. It's it's uh, it's crazy. Okay, I mean people are in bad mood throwing their boxes flying past your head. It's, it's nuts. You got to get them. You got to get them there. And so they're like every I, the place that I worked in Indianapolis is the second largest FedEx hub in the world. Six thousand employees. Every one of you will be here the Sunday before Christmas. Every one of you. It is not an option. It is mandatory. You will be here. And, you know, who am I? You know, I'm like out of 6,000 employees, I'm 559 I, 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 or 5,550. I don't have any clout, but I was like, I know it's man, but I won't be here. I've never worked a Sunday in my life. I won't be there. And so and, the, and I actually I, I worked with one guy there that he was an attorney also. And he happened to be an employment attorney. And so he's like, I talked. I was like, can they make me work? You know, this and I think it was the 23rd. Can they make me work? On this Sunday before Christmas, can they force me? And he said, well, I'm going to ask you that. Have you ever in your work history worked a Sunday? And I said, no, never. He's like, they don't have a chance in the world of making you work that Sunday. You have every legal right in, in the United States for your religious beliefs. If you've, as long as you've got that track record, they cannot force you. If they force you to come in or fire you for not working that Sunday, I will sue the pants off of them. And they will, it'll say, the David Samples Indianapolis FedEx. I'll have your name on the front of the building. He's like, I, I've won so many cases just like this. But if you've got a track record of, you know, sometimes coming in on Sunday, you don't have a leg in the world. They can force you to work this Sunday and every Sunday hereafter or fire your butt. You know, it, it's up to you. And so I'm just encouraging us, 
sometimes we got to take a stand. And I'm telling some of our young people who are applying for jobs, I've been telling them this. If, you, if they decide to hire you after uh, you've told them that you won't work Sundays, never one time ever do it. Because once you do, you've lost your right to say, well, it's, uh, I can't. That's, my, that's the Lord's day. I can't do it. So that's just a word for somebody if, if you care to hear that. So anyway, but... I can't imagine how so many people, you know, they get the things they wanted. They get that promotion. They get they get that the thing they wanted. And then all of a sudden they just slowly the blessing starts pulling them away from the one that gave it to them. And that's a pretty sad thing to look at when God gave you this thing and now it pulls, pulls you away from him. That's sad to look at. That was never his intention. He wanted you to have it. He was fine with you having it, but he didn't want it to have you. And so I heard this story. Turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 30 real quick, and I'm going to tell the story. Mark 12, 30. So a long time ago, there was a really ambitious young man. He was getting into business, and, and he, he, he talked to the pastor. He said, how can I bring God's blessing upon, you know, what I'm seeking after? How can I bring? And the pastor said, listen, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to start tithing. Give about 10%. So this young man, at this point in time, his tithe was $4 a week. He made $40 a week. But he was faithful to tithe. And pretty soon, his endeavors and his businesses and everything took off. He was doing great to the point, he kept tithing, to the point where his tithe was now $500 a week. So that means he made $5,000 every week, which, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of money. This was a long time ago. 5, so he finally, he comes to the pastor and says, listen, it was one thing when it was $4, but, but I, I can't, $500, I can't give God this much. Is there any way that I can get out of this promise? And the pastor thought about it. He said, well... I uh, know you can't, you don't back out of your promise to God, but here's what we can do. I don't see how you can get out of, out of this commitment. So let's do this. I'm going to pray for God to take your tithe back down to $4 a week so you can afford it again. We'll just put you right back where you were. If you, if you make the $40 again, then you can obviously afford to tithe $4. So I'm going to pray for God to just take the blessings away and get you by, right back to where you started. Because you can, you can do the $4, right? And the guy's like, never mind. I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll stick, stick with it. Thankful for the five thousand a week, I'll just go ahead and, and, and you know, go ahead and pay them. But and you know, it's it, another silly, silly fact. But statistically, the lowest income level or the highest percentage of tithers—that's like mind blowing. Like what? It seems it seems like someone that makes six digits or you know seven digits, like wouldn't they be? It'd be a lot easier for them to tithe than the guy that makes ten thousand. But statistically speaking, people that you know make like less than thirty thousand a year they're the highest percentage of tithers like what but mark chapter 12 verse 30 now check this out and jesus says and you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and all your strength so the greatest commandment we have is to love god and it says right here to love him with everything it lists all three parts of, the, of a person. You know, all your heart, that's your spirit, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. This says to love God with everything that you have. Everything that you have. It breaks it down to, to every level. And so, I mean, I, I would even say all your strength, that could include your finances. I mean, I, I love, love God with all of it. But our most important commandment as new testament christians is to love god and he says i want you i want you to love god with everything you have all your heart all your soul all all your mind all your strength everything i want you to love god with everything and again none of us are perfect but let's examine our lives and say god am i giving you the best that i've got right now i'm asking a lot out of you but am i giving you the best that I've got. God's not asking you to cut him a check for a million dollars. He's asking for you to give him some of your time. He's asking you for you to wake up in the morning and spend time with him. He's not asking for you to quit your job and study the Bible all day. But how many hours are we spending on TV and entertainment? And how many minutes are we spending in the Bible and prayer? How many hours are we spending 
on entertainment and distractions, how many minutes are we spending in the Bible and in prayer? I've not heard it this quiet in this church. <laughs> it's louder than this when I'm in here by myself. So, so I mean, maybe we're But, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your, all your strength. Love Him with everything. And the last verse I want to show us, we'll close out with this, is Luke chapter 9, verse 62. So the point that I'm trying to get across tonight is this, is that God wants you this Christmas season and always to be blessed, to have money, to have more than enough money, to have everything that you need and to have the, the, the godly things that you want. He wants that. But He wants you to seek His kingdom first. He wants you to... Get these things his way. He wants to be the one to give them to you. So Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And again, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So this is, I read this verse sometimes just as a reminder to me. Say, hey, are you still doing this? Luke 9, verse 62, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, so we're not ending on a sad note, but I'm just saying, if you've made Jesus Lord, if you've made this commitment and saying, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, I'll do anything you say to do. I'm with you 100%. I'm never looking back. He says, anyone that puts a hand to the, to the plow and then looks back and says, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know I committed to, I, I don't know. I, I kind of missed this back here. I, I was kind of, I, I don't know. And you start looking back and, and, and start, listen, it says, forget it. You're not even fit for the kingdom of God. And so for us tonight, again, I want to bring it to this. He wants us blessed. He wants you to have all these great things. He wants you, I mean, it gives it makes God look really good when his kids look good. As a parent, if my kids don't have holes in their jeans and, you know, their toes poking out of their shoes and they're dirty and all this stuff, that makes me look like a good parent when they look good. Same thing with God. When his kids look good, when you're blessed, when you, you know, it makes God look really, really good. He wants that. He's just saying, don't look back on me. Stay with me. Keep seeking me. Keep, keep it coming. Keep, keep, keep sticking with me. Don't look back. You made this commitment. Let me keep doing it. Let me be your Lord. Stay with me. And he said, and I'll get you everything you ever even need. I know your needs before you know. I'll get them to you. Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. I'll get them to you. You just do it my way. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and we'll end right there tonight. Let's go ahead and stand up.